Okay, here we go. Recording episode 137 of the Island Ice Podcast, starring everybody's favorite Islanders beat writer, Andrew Gross. Andrew, over to you, buddy. Is this a new intro? Or no. it was a, are you suddenly Ed McMahon? I'm <laughs> just warming up Mark, man. Trying to make Mark laugh. <laughs> Well, if that is recording, I, I say go with that. That was <laughs> that was smooth, <laughs> like Carlos Santana. Smooth. <laughs> Newsday presents the Island Ice Podcast with Andrew Gross. And welcome to Island Ice Newsday's New York Islanders Podcast. I'm Andrew Gross, as Colin Stevenson said, and welcome back to our Enterprise Rental Car. Driving home from Montreal, and what better way to pass the time on the road than to record episode 137 of the Island Ice podcast? We're going to review the Islanders NHL draft the two days, although they did not make a first round pick, and we'll also review the trade that brought in defenseman Alexander Romanov for that number 13 pick. We're going to look ahead to free agency this week. And uh, the, the other thing Colin and I might get into is uh, the schedule came out, and we're going to uh, give a few opinions on that, and then get to some Andrew's answers, and uh, by the time all that's over, we might be to Albany or so, but Colin, welcome to the car. Did you have a good time in Montreal? I believe a good time was had by all, Andrew. Thanks very much for having me. Thanks for driving, by the way. This is... Uh We've uh, we've had a good time. It's, I think it's been quite productive, um, and uh, had a fun time in, in Montreal. It's a great city for those of you that you know want to take a road trip up there. Do it in the summer though. Uh, it's a little tougher <laughs> tougher in the in the middle of winter for hockey season, but it's definitely uh, worth checking out. And uh, and uh, and now we're on the way home, and uh, we got uh, free agency coming up, and uh, it's a pretty exciting time for the summer. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, free agency, and uh, it's funny, uh, you talk and, uh, you know, we're out and about in Montreal and bumping into a lot of the national guys like Pierre Lebrun and, you know, guys like that, and I'm telling you, it's like, they're going to cover free agency on July 13th and July 14th, they're all in their cabins, <laughs> the season ends, yep, yep. <laughs> so yeah, and, and Colin and I also were, uh, uh, it's been a long season, and uh, it, it, as we look ahead to the next one, uh, we are also looking forward to a little bit of summer here. But where should we start? I guess the, the, the natural place to start as we review the draft would be to discuss the trade of uh, the number 13 overall pick to the Canadians for defenseman Alexander Romanov. And, you know, Lou Lamorello, uh, who we got to speak to three times in uh, you know, in three days in Montreal, I, I like that ratio. Wow! Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> uh, Lou Lamorello, you know, said simply, "Look, you know, he's a 22-year-old defenseman. We're going to have him under control. He's still developing his game, but we think he's already a very good player. He fills." Uh, you know, Lou Lamarillo was talking about needing two defensemen, one uh, an offensive-minded defenseman, one more of a defensive guy. Um, there's a little bit of both in uh, in Romanov's game, although not much scoring, but he is a very smooth skater. He's really going to help the Islanders' issues exiting their defensive zone. 
which really handcuffed the Islanders last season and which ended, as we know, without a playoff berth. So uh, there, there's excitement on the Islanders' end over that. Talking to some people in and around Montreal, they really feel like a, a change of scenery for Romanov is going to be good. He's uh, he, he likes laying on the, the checks and the hits, and uh, I, I think Islander fans are going to appreciate that. Um, but at 22, there's a lot of room for growth for this uh uh, for this defenseman uh, and, and to to Lou giving up a, the 13th overall pick for a guy that probably was not going to help at the NHL level for at least two seasons if not more was well worth it with a, a win now team uh, you know Colin we, we, I guess we can debate this whether number 13 was an overpayment for Romanov and a fourth round pick coming back but in the end even if it was an overpayment is it worth it for the Islanders yeah I know a lot of a lot of Islander fans uh I, I know weren't weren't crazy about that deal as you know Andrew yeah he's, he's mentioned it many times on this pod my son is a crazy Islander fan and I know he was not a great fan of this deal at all he did think it was an overpayment I know a lot of Islander fans do think that but sometimes you do have to overpay and um, you know I, I guess you know you're talking about a 22 year old guy who's got two years uh, of experience in the league I suppose um, you know my, my concern is you know we don't is the Russia thing Right. I mean, we we touched on it. I think, um, and we it certainly was a topic of discussion while we were in Montreal. This is a Russian guy. Uh, I don't know if he's in Russia at the at the moment. Um, you know, but it, you know, who knows where he is? But uh, you know, is that going to be an issue? And is he going to be here when he needs to be here? So, I mean, if you know, assuming he's here when he's supposed to be here, if he can play in your top two pairs, um, then yeah, you know, I. I don't see, I don't see what the big problem is with it. Well, uh, I actually have an answer for you on the uh, Russia angle to this. Okay. Which is, uh, first of all, the Canadians general manager Kent Hughes uh, said, uh, I guess, before the draft, that Alexander Romanov was due back from Russia, quote unquote, next week. Uh, I spoke to someone who has been in contact with uh, Romanov and his flight plans, his ticket, um, was to return home from Russia today. He might be in the air as we speak uh, on Sunday. Um, or actually, no, I'm sorry. He's supposed to fly on Sunday. I, I'm getting my days all confused because the, uh, the, the draft being on Thursday, Friday, instead of Friday, Saturday, it's got me all verklempt here. <laughs> uh, today is Saturday, not Sunday. So Romanov is—he uh, has a ticket to return home from uh, from Russia on Sunday. I was told that this is not an issue in the slightest. Um, you know, you, there are some bad stories about what's going on with a couple of the Russian players, but I heard from a couple of people that otherwise this is sort of an overblown issue at this moment, and they're. they're in, there's no concern about Romanov getting back to North America. Uh, and again, um, I, I was told he's taking it for Sunday. So uh, uh, that that's a good deal, right? Yeah, I mean, I you know, the assumption would be that Lou wouldn't, wouldn't have made the deal for a guy that he wasn't sure was going to be here. But, you know, until he's here, 
you know, it is what it is. So, but no, I, I think, uh, look, you, you need two, four, four good defensemen, right, for your top two pairs. Um, the Islanders certainly, with Andy Green and Zidane Chara now as, as free agents, have a couple of openings. And, uh, you know, if this this fills one, certainly the, the 13th pick overall would not have been expected to fill one of those. So, I mean, you, you know, it's an, if you look at it this way, it's an upgrade over... I don't know, Sebastian Ajo or whatever other, you know, guy that would have been coming up from the minors to take a spot there. So, um, you know, I suppose we'll see. But you have a 22-year-old guy with two years of experience, uh, you know, who can play in your top two pairs, and that, that's got to be a good deal. So we move on. Well, yeah, just one last uh, thing on Romanov is uh, he's a lefty, which they needed. They needed a lefty to slot in and probably slot in with righty Noah Dobson. And, uh, you know, see, if your top two pairs are a Pelican, a Pulak, and then a Romanov and a Noah Dobson, I, I think that's, uh, you know, that's a fairly good top four. You got Scott Mayfield, you know, unless he gets traded, you know, on a on a, on a third pair, and then you see who you bring in to, to play with Scotty. We'll get to this in a little bit. Nick Letty's name has been thrown about. We can talk about that in a little bit. Um, I, I did want to mention it's very exciting. Both Noah Dobson and Romanov are both 22. Both are restricted free agents. No no arbitration rights there, but you know, a lot of speculation, more from the national media, uh, regarding a potential offer sheet uh, for Noah Dobson. And when, whether you know the Islanders, who are about 12 million under the cap, would they be susceptible? Would that really handcuff them if someone kind of blew Noah Dobson out of the water, and I loved Lou's response when we asked him about Wednesday, uh, about that, you know, potential on Wednesday. Lou basically said, you know, I've been at this far too long to, to worry myself about an offer sheet, and I think that's a fair answer, because every year we in the media go, oh, their offer sheet's coming, their offer sheet's coming, and, and really, Colin, how many offer sheets you know, do you see, we talked before recording the podcast, there was, you know, the Montreal Canadiens and, uh, uh, you know, Carolina Hurricanes, Carolina Hurricanes right. that little, you know, back and forth war. But other than that, you know, our offer sheets are far, are few and far between. So, yeah. plus, you know, you got Lou and, and we know how, you know, we know that Lou's a tough guy and you know that, you know, many other general managers might not want to take him off so yeah. you know it's not likely I suppose and, and the other thing is as we talked about on the, on the previous podcast and by the way 57.5 as someone <laughs> right I said there was a 57.5% chance the Islanders were going to trade that number 13 pick and honestly as we got closer to Thursday the more I thought about it I was like you know Lou's going to trade this pick He's got to trade the pick because he's got a win now, uh, a win now team, uh, win now roster, and um, a lot of speculation up in Montreal um, about whether the the Islanders and the Canucks were engaged in any trade talks. There were some rumors out there, uh, obviously from the Vancouver side. You know, oh God, no! There was never any talks with uh, with the Islanders, and when Lou was asked about whether he had talked to the Canucks, his uh, his response was, "Well, go ask Vancouver." You know, 
So, you know, honestly, whether they did or did not talk to Vancouver, as Lou said, you know, is slightly irrelevant because it didn't happen, right? And they got Romanov. But if they were talking to Vancouver, I think logic dictates that they were talking about JT Miller. And, you know, could you have used that 13th to bring in JT Miller? Now, the difference is JT Miller is making, I think it's 5.25 million. He's, uh, yeah, I think he's age 29 right now. Um, he's going to be an uh, unrestricted free agent after this season. Um, so you're really bringing in a rental, whereas with Romanov, you've got, you know, I, I know he needs a new deal as a restricted free agent, but you've really got this guy under control for the next four seasons. So, uh, you know, Luke probably weighed all that. Would JT and Miller have helped this lineup? Of course he would have. But Romanov's going to help too, and then I, I, I think the other, the other, amongst the other big names was uh, you know uh, Debrinkat, who uh, Chicago traded, and whether Lou could have matched that deal. And, and I thought, you know, when we were talking before uh, recording this, Colin, I thought you made a good, good point in that, you know, even if Lou could have matched, that doesn't necessarily mean he got the chance to. Correct. Right. I mean, you know. Chicago, who knows what Chicago's doing, man? They're, they're <laughs> stripping it down to the studs, and, yeah. you know, this is an all-out, full-blown rebuild, um, and they've got their reasons, and they've got their vision, and whatever it is, and they may have just decided that, you know, they got a deal, and it's not like they were going to call around and say, hey, uh, so-and-so's giving us this for this guy, what, what do you want to offer? Lou may not have had the chance, and, you know... Um, and he may have uh, ultimately, even if he had the chance, I mean, uh, I mean, yeah, it's kind of hard to see why he would have passed that up. But he may not have had the chance is ultimately what, what this is all about. So, I mean, listen, this is a deal that was there to be made, and, and he made it. And, um, you know, I suppose the team is, is better today than it, than it was, you know, three or four days ago. But still not good enough. I mean, they, they Lou still has a pretty... You know, he, he has to do more work before this next season starts. He, you know, whether you bring in a Debrinkat or, or and we can talk about some of the free agents who may or may not be available, but Lou has to find some scoring uh, amongst his top six wings, and he has to find someone that they can slot in with Matthew Barzell. Uh, it was an issue uh, a lot of last season, and with, with Barzi going into that final year of a deal, you need to give this guy a reason to really want to be an Islander for a long, long time beyond the money, um, which I think the Islanders will pony up for, for Barzell because you can't let him, you know, get out the door. But, you know, you have to entice Matthew Barzell with uh, someone who can sort of match the playing style that he has and, and, and so far we you know we beat our our brow saying play him with Oliver Wallstrom play him with Oliver Wallstrom well you know Barry Trotz finally did that and uh, it turns out Wally you know may not be a good match for Barzell it certainly didn't seem like it uh it was a 13 game stretch uh, at this point in his career because he he was hesitant uh trying to figure out what Barzell was doing <laughs> uh, so, you have to get someone who, who can work with Barzell naturally. And, uh, you know, with DeBrinkett been that kind of guy, you, 
certainly has scoring skills. We know that. Um, but again, I, I, like I said, I thought Colin makes a good point that, you know, I, I don't know whether, you know, Lou always talks to people, but I don't know whether he had a specific uh, chance to match whatever uh, uh, Chicago got for Dabrinka. Well, so you know, you, now you, you touch on uh, Barzal, and, and it, you know maybe I'm, I'm, you know, my mind started wandering, and maybe I'm I'm going a little further uh, than I should. But you know, looking ahead, to you say, uh, you know, he's in the last year of his contract. You know, they played this out with a uh, with a uh, he whose name shall not be uh, mentioned uh, on an Islanders podcast, um, and let that guy walk. So, and now, you know, looking back on that, um, you know, everybody will agree that that was, that was the wrong thing to do and they should have moved that particular guy at the trade deadline. So, I mean, you know, we're months away from it, but, you know, is that something that you should be contemplating that, you know, maybe if you can't get somebody to play with uh, Barzell, you know, maybe you start looking at him in, in terms of... Uh, not letting him walk for nothing. I mean, you know, is is that something that uh, that you should be contemplating? Well, two things. It's a little different because Barzi is still going to be a, a restricted free agent. He's not getting to unrestricted free agency uh, for a couple of more years here. Um, but, and I wrote this and I've said this on previous podcasts, I, I, I really feel or felt like the Islanders did have to make a decision on, on Barzell, whether, you know, they had to commit to him being their guy. And if, if they could not commit to that, then it behooves them to, to, you know, look for a deal. However, like I said, I mean, I have, you know, no indication that the Islanders do not feel committed to Barzell and do not want him here long term, which is, you know, what I would want, you know, because... You know, even, you know, as, as frustrating sometimes as it is to watch him when he's, you know, not connecting with his line mates, he has a very unique talent in the NHL, and uh, you, you can't let that get away from you. So, um, let's see, speaking of free agents, as we mentioned, uh, that opens Wednesday, so, you know, if... If the Islanders cannot make a quote-unquote hockey trade, which I explained to you in the last podcast. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you for that. What what can they look at on the free agent market? Who's going to be there? And is it worth the Islanders to, you know, and, and for Lou to really try and bring in a, a big-name ticket, throw around that kind of money? Uh, like I said, I mean, they desperately need to play with more speed. Uh, Romanov probably helps them play with a little bit more speed, but he's just one guy. They need a, you know, they need a couple of more speedy skaters uh, in that lineup, and they need a scoring wing. Now, you know, the names you hear, uh, Philip Forsberg is apparently going back to the Predators. You can scratch that off. He's a, he's a really nice player. He obviously would have fit in very nicely with the Islanders, but uh, the sense was, and, and it's coming to bear, is that <laughs> Forsberg and the Predators were always, you know, probably going to figure this out. Uh, David Boyle, usually, he's a, he's a pretty good GM, too. <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't really let those guys leave, for the most part. And, uh, uh, 
Johnny Goudreau. Uh, the Flames have made it a priority to try and bring him back. He's going to be pretty pricey. Uh, it looks like Andrej Palat from the uh, Lightning is going to wind up on the market. I, I don't necessarily know that the Islanders are a real player or will be a real player for any, you know, a, a Goudreau if he's available or a Palat. You know, all things being equal, you take the money out of it, I would take either player in a heartbeat. But uh, I, I don't know if those are the kind of guys that the Islanders are going to be looking at. Or, or, or I should say they're looking at everyone. I don't know if those are the kind of guys the Islanders are going to be able to get once the, the bell rings on Wednesday. Right. But then, you know, the other thing is, um, you know, the whole idea of this, this brand new building is supposed to help you attract free agents. And, and we'll see, you know, whether that comes to, you know, comes to pass as, as intended. But, you know, you, you talk about Goudreau uh, and, you know, immediately I think, well, there's good, you know, the Flames have to deal, have to resign Goudreau and they have to resign. Uh, Kachuk, um, Matthew Kachuk. I, I want to call him Keith, but you know, it's, <laughs> it's Keith's son. Anyway, um, they, you know, they. So the the question would be if 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 Calgary is committed to re-signing Goudreau, uh, do they then have to trade Kachuk, and would the Islanders have the assets available to? Interest the Flames in possibly moving him to Long Island. I mean, I you know, I, I haven't seen that speculated on. Um, I, I don't know what your thoughts are about that, but do you think that you know there's any any way possible that the Islanders could scrounge up enough assets to interest Calgary in, in moving Goudreau to Long Island? I mean, uh, Kachuk. Uh, if, if I'm Lou, yeah, you know, I, I mean, to, it, and, and we debated Matthew Kachuk and Johnny Goudreau. Getting a few more years with Kachuk, he's what twenty four, right? Right. So you're getting him right at the right in the the wheelhouse. He's in the the young prime of his career. Um, he's going to be pricey, you know. He's going to, you know, if him and Barzell are on the same team, you're probably looking at spending twenty million combined just for those two players, you know. And that that that's an issue if you got Anders Lee signed long term, you got Brock Nelson signed long term, you got Gigi Pajot signed long term, you got the two defensemen Pelican Pulak signed long term. None of those guys are cheap. However, um, I would run, not walk, <laughs> to the front of the line to 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 throw together a package. And you know, it, it's going to be a painful package. You're you're probably looking at your first rounder in 23, which is supposed to be a much better draft class than the 22 class. Right. So, so a 23 first rounder is, you know, that, that, that's a valuable pick. Although, from the Islanders' standpoint, and probably the Flames are looking at the Islanders going, you know, it's probably not going to be a 13th pick anymore. The, 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 there's a good chance that the Islanders' first rounder next year would be closer to 20. So does that make it attractive? Does that mean the Islanders have to throw in a 23 and a 24 first-round pick? How many first-round picks is, is Lou going to throw around? This uh, Trading the number 13 this year made it three straight years now that Lou has not picked in the first round. Um, how how much you know stripping of the cupboard are you going to do? However, for a guy like Kachuk, who 
you know, is not always, the guys like that are not always available via trade like that, you know, you're, you're, you're certainly throwing a wall strip that way, you're certainly, you know, saying, do you want Beauvillier, you're, you're saying, you know, the Flames are probably going to say, is Robin Sallow available, and it, it might be a, a one or two first round picks, and, uh, you know, a couple of their top prospects, and maybe an NHL player, you know, mix and match from in there, but it, it would be a heavy price, Honestly, if I'm Lou, I, I seriously consider that. Well, yeah, it's a heavy price in terms of going back to Calgary. You also then have to sign, you know, the yeah. guy who yeah. is, who is a, a restricted free agent. So you have to sell him on your vision to get him to sign with you long term. You don't certainly don't want to have him look to sign a bridge deal so he can get the UFA status as, as quickly as possible. You, you know, you want you want him to sign long term. So I mean, there's you know that's a pie in the sky thing. I mean, I just kind of wanted to throw that out there. I mean, you know, everybody's talking about Goudreau, but if, if Calgary's, uh, you know, going to prioritize resigning Goudreau, and if, if in fact, they aren't going to be able to keep both of those guys, then maybe the other guy would be available. So, anyway, that's that. What's next? <laughs> what, do you, what do you got next? Well, I was, uh, I was just going to add, usually those type of deals don't get done without the team knowing they can right. get the extension. I Understood. Mean, when the Islanders brought in J.G. Pajot, that six-year deal was done within about 34.5 seconds, <laughs> you know? So, I, I have no doubts, and again, as Colin said, pie-in-the-sky speculation, I have no doubts that if the Islanders pulled off a trade for Kachuk, the extension would be coming right around the corner. Um... What's next? Well, uh, schedule? No, let's uh, stay on free agency okay. for a second. And uh, let, let, let's get to this point, which uh, if the Islanders are looking for another defenseman, and if <laughs> and if we're going to say that Andy Green and Zdeno Chara are not coming back, and uh, the quick update on that from the NHL draft is that Lou said he has not had discussions with either one. I asked him to clarify that on uh, after the draft ended on Friday, and he said what that means is, you know, basically there's nothing to discuss at this moment um, because the two players are still deciding whether they do want to pursue a contract for the 22-23 season. They have not officially retired. They have not officially committed to coming back. They're still in discussions. I think you saw Zdeno Chara or his agent say that, that, you know, Zdeno's going to take his time as to whether uh, he wants to play or not. And I think the translation in my head is those guys are going to probably wait until September and training camp opens and see you know, what injuries come about and what opportunities are out there and whether anything makes sense for either one of them. I mean, you know, I know Zdeno Char is 45. He would be 46 by the end of next season. He sees himself as a top six guy. He's not going to want to go someplace to be a seventh D-man. You know, I, I, I could see Andy Green. And, and Andy had pretty much said, you know, it, it would it would only be the Islanders or, or the Devils. I can't see you know going back to the Devils. He doesn't fit into what that franchise is doing, whatever they're doing. Um, I just know Andy. You know they're skewing younger. And if the Islanders, you know, did not have a, uh, I mean, look, they brought in Luca Spiza, you know, to on, on a PTO to try out as a seventh D man at one point. Um, 
so yeah, I, you know, if Andy wants to play and if he's saying he would really only play, you know, for the Islanders and if the Islanders can't bring in a, a 7D man, I could see that sort of being a thing. I, I don't think Z would want to want to that kind of position. But that that's going to be something that's down the road. That's a September, maybe even going into October decision. The guy I, I'm bringing up right now is uh, uh, former Islander Nick Letty, who's hitting. Uh, who's going to be a UFA. We all know Nick Letty can skate, um, and he's going to be now on a much more uh, a much cheaper deal than when Lou traded him to the Red Wings before last season uh, to create some more cap space, so, you know, I know he's not a, a sexy option, but I'm also racking my brains to figure out, you know, is there a better option out there, and, you know, the, the Islanders might not, you know, they could do worse than Nick Letty, you know, so I, I don't know how you feel about Nick Letty coming back, I, would, I wouldn't be totally opposed to it. Tony D's off the market. Oh, yeah, your guy Tony D. <laughs> <laughs> you know, talking about overpaying. Chuck Fletcher, come back to me, man. <laughs> it's like, you don't need to trade a 2, 3, and a 4 for a guy you probably could have gotten anyway, right? So, ah, anyway, that's the, boy, uh, you know, the Flyers going to be a fun team to cover. They're, I mean, they're not going to be a fun team to watch, and the Flyers fans are probably going to hate him, but, boy, a team with Tony D'Angelo and, and and our buddy John Tortorella, well, that's that's fun. God, that is fun. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, you know, and, and as we said on the previous podcast, I, I would have taken a, a, not to use a pun since he wound up in Philly, but I would have taken a flyer on, a, a, on Tony D'Angelo on a a shorter term deal and, and the Flyers got him in two years which I think is perfect because he'll be on his best behavior the first year and then he's in the contract year so he's going to be on his best behavior I right. mean the, 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 the issue I think is really whether Torts pushes his buttons well enough <laughs> to get him to go full on Tony D'Angelo <laughs> you mentioned Torts and um, you know Torts is what Torts is but I, I'm, I'm curious actually just kind of made me wonder, like, you know, something you said earlier about, you know, Barzal and, and, and all that, and, and I'm I'm curious as to what kind of coach Lane Lambert's going to be, right? Because, you know, when the Islanders had, uh, you know, when, when Barry Trotz was running the show, like, there, you know, Barry had his, his mind made up and his set in his ways, and, you know, all people wanted to see uh, Wallstrom playing with, uh, you know, with Barzal and, and whatnot, and Barry didn't seem to be all too interested in that. You mentioned all that kind of stuff. So, you know, it made me wonder, and, I, and I, you know, maybe I'm bringing this up at an awkward time, but but I'm wondering, like, what do we know about Lane Lambert in terms of personality? And, you know, is he going to be basically Barry Trotz the second, or is he going to be, you know, a little bit more open to maybe doing things that highlight Barzal a little more, give give Barzal a little bit more freedom uh, than perhaps he might have had in the last four years. What, what do you think about that? Yeah, no, I, I'm absolutely certain that a, a big part of the discussions between Lou and Lane before Lou promoted uh, Lane from associate coach was, you know, how he does handle Matthew Barzell because 
it had gotten stale, I think, at the end. I think we can all agree on that. It had gotten stale between Barry Trotz and Matthew Barzell at the end. And, you know, Barry, Barry wanted to see certain things out of Matthew Barzell. To a great extent, he did get a lot more out of Matthew Barzell than Matthew Barzell was giving as a younger player when it was, you know, he just wanted to get up and go and score. And, and, and I, I think Barry did a real good job of, of teaching Matthew Barzell the importance of the overall game. Now, you know, Barzi will never... <laughs> that's not fun to him, is, you know, the coming back and grinding it out in the defense. He's not going to be Patrice Bergeron, you're saying? Uh, well, probably not. But, look, there were times in, in games where Barzi used his speed and got back and used his stick on the back check and broke up rushes. And that was a lot of Barry Trotz. Now, the question is, what kind, what does Lane Lambert get out of him? And look, Lane has to take a different approach because that was his mandate from Lou Lamarillo, right? The Islanders need a new voice. Now, you know, Lou, you know, Lou's never going to, you know, open the spigots and, you know, go, 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 go. And, like, you know, Lou's teams, regardless of who the coach is, are always going to be defensive-minded teams. Now, I, I you know, and, and the Devils get painted into a into a corner with when they were winning Stanley Cups. Is this boring? You know, you know, neutral zone trapping, left wing lock team. You look at some of the talent, offensive talent that Lou had in New Jersey. I, I, I don't think the Devils get enough credit uh, the, of, of that era for, for having some really good offensive talent and being dangerous offensively. And, uh, and you know, we had a good discussion uh, the other night about Stefan Richet and just what a marvelous player he was and how dangerous he was. And that was the Devils, right? They get him from the Canadians and boy, he was brilliant. He put up points, and the Devils could score. And and look, that's what Lou is looking to do here. The the, the foundation is always going to be defense, but that doesn't mean you're you're not going to be creative and you can't create offense. And um, I, I, I think Lane Lambert's mandate here is to keep Barzell focused on the on, on his two-way responsibilities, but he does need to coax more out of Barzell in terms of production or, you know, allow him to be in situations where he can produce more. Um, and that, that includes finding, and this is more on Lou than Lane, is finding the right wing via trade or free agency to mesh with this guy. Um... You know, it was fine. I forget who I was talking to. It was like, you know, what's the Islanders' top line next year? You know, and if it's Barzell, Beauvillier, and Palmieri, that's not really a top line that's really going to scare a lot of people. The Islanders have to do better than that. And, you know, as far as Lane's personality, let me just, you know, we have had very few interactions with Lane. You know, Lou Lamarillo. Lou Lamarillo's rule is only Lou and the head coach speak for the organization. So Lane 
spoke to the media uh, during those two weeks in early January when uh, Barry Trotz was absent, won the first time, uh, you know, his mother passed away, and then right into his COVID uh, quarantine. So we got laid for about 10 days or so, and it is not going to be Barry Trotz in terms of personality with the media. You know, he's going to be very closed-lipped about a lot of things, and uh, I think that's much more to Lou Lamarillo's liking as far as the public persona of, his, of the coach he's employing. I think Barry Trotz, even though the two men got along really, really well, you'd see him away from the rink, and it was sort of two old warriors, you know, who had just the utmost respect for each other, and that has not changed one bit, even with Lou firing Barry. Uh, there's still an incredible amount of respect for each other's talents. However, Barry Trotz and the way his chattiness, let's say, and his willingness to engage, that was sort of an outlier for Lou Lamarillo in, in the terms of a coach he would like to employ. Um, so, you know, we're not going to get paragraphs long answers from Lane Lambert. And we're all, you know, we, we all acknowledge that and we're all ready for that. Um, at the same time, though, you hear the players rave about Lane Lambert's intensity and his attention to detail. The one thing that Lane Lambert has that Barry Trotz did not have is Lane played in this league. And he, and he played in the league for a while. And players respect that. Um, so, you know, as we've discussed, the, the, the big thing with Lane is figuring out how to make that transition from an associate coach where you can be much more of a player's, you know, sounding board, you know, even on a, a more friendly basis to the head coach responsibility where you have to be a little bit more cutthroat because you're making the roster decisions. You're looking a guy in the face and telling him he no longer has a spot on that team or he is not good enough to be in the lineup that night and that you know you, you can't always be a, a guy's buddy doing that so hey you know the, the x's and o's don't worry me with lane he's gonna have he has all that down pat um it's it's <laughs> it's really whether he makes that transition and a big part of that transition is, as you brought up to start, coaxing more out of Matthew Barzell, which a lot of this is centered around. This, you know, a lot of the stuff we're talking about as far as the Islanders' off-season issues or, and priorities is getting more out of Matthew Barzell. Go get Kachuk. I, yeah, yeah. I mean. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> That'll help. Yeah, no, that, that that certainly will help. Um, so let's see. Oh, you know what? You know what? We have not talked what about. What have we con- not talked about? We have not talked about this NHL draft that we're driving home from in terms of the players that the Islanders brought in. So let's talk about that. All right, let's talk about it. You got, I think I read somewhere, it might have been in what you wrote, that uh, they got some pretty good value with a couple of these guys, right? The Swedish defensemen. Why don't, uh, why don't you give us a little rundown, a, little, a couple of thumbnails on, on some of these guys? <laughs> yeah, I mean, if there was one trend you saw, especially with the first three picks uh, Lou made, and uh, he gets uh, he gets the Swedish defenseman Kale Odelius, 
Uh, I'm, I'm mispronouncing that for sure, but uh, he gets him at number 65, the absolute last pick in the second round. And, you know, we joke about how bad I am at math. I was sitting there stumped going, okay, the Islanders have the 65th pick. There are 32 teams. It's the last pick in the second round. Why is it pick number 65? It should be pick 64. And I think it was you explained to me there was some supplementary compensatory pick in there. Whatever. The Islanders pick at number 65, last pick in the uh, in the second round. And they get a guy that, you know, in terms of draft projections, some guys thought there was some... There was some thought he would go maybe middle second round, not the end of the second round. He was a fringe first round player, perhaps. Um, but there's a, a, a lot of talent uh, in his skating ability. Now, he's a guy who has not played above Swedish juniors yet. He's going to play in Sweden again next year. You're not going to see uh, Kale for at least a couple of years. You'll see him training camp. But I, I feel like he's probably going to take a couple of years in Sweden to develop his game. And, and that's what we're talking about. Why did the Islanders trade the number 13 pick? Because it was not going to help them this season. They need help this season, right? But, yeah, the consensus in Montreal was they, they got really good value on that pick. They got a guy that uh, many thought would go higher to considerably higher than he went. Uh, who knows the vagaries of the draft, why no one else snap this guy up, but uh, Lou Lamarillo, you know, <laughs> describing Lou Lamarillo as giddy is incorrect. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. I've never seen him giddy. But he said he gauges it by the excitement of the scouts at his table, and he said when this kid was available at number 65, his scouts were excited. Um, of course, there's always optimism from your side. But also talking to some people, you know, not affiliated with the Islanders in any way. Yeah, that, that's a really good pick. That's a solid pick. Whether that means he becomes an NHL player or not, that's still, you know, to be determined. But it was a very good pick. Good value on that pick. And the other guy uh, in the fourth round, Isaiah George, who's a Canadian junior defenseman, uh, talking to a couple of people, there's... They really liked that pick for the Islanders. They, they were like, this kid has got his head screwed on straight. Another guy who's a brilliant skater. They were like, you know, you got to see this guy get the puck on his stick and just weave in and out, you know, to get the puck out of his defensive zone. He makes, you know, smart first passes, the whole package. And it's built on speed, and that's what you need. You need, or you, you need to play fast, and, and lose certainly uh, targeted that type of stuff with his first three picks. Uh, the other guy is uh, a forward, Quinn Finley, um, who, who still has one, 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 one year left in, uh, you know, in high school before he even makes it to uh, the University of Wisconsin. He wants desperately to play for Tony Granato. He thinks Tony Granato can mold his game and get him to be uh, a true NHL player. And, you know, that's, that's pretty good if you're learning from Tony Renato, right? You know, um, uh, talking to the kid, he was, you know, seemed to be really intelligent. He knows, you know, he compared, likened his game. He says he wants to play like Jonathan Huberdeau. I 
was like... That's pretty cool. Yeah, I was like, who does it? Actually, speaking of comparing the games, Caleb uh, <laughs> Dilius, uh, you know, who, who do you play like? And one of the two names he mentioned was Devon Tapes. <laughs> so, oh, that hurts. <laughs> well, let me let me peel away the onion here. Oh, boy. So they get him with the pick. You know why they're picking last in the second round? Because that was the Colorado Avalanche's right. pick that the Islanders got for, yeah, you guessed it, Devon Tapes. So, you know, a lot of sour grapes on Twitter. So let me get this straight. We traded away Devon Tapes <laughs> to get a, a, an 18-year-old kid who wants to play like Devon Tapes. <laughs> uh, but that's like, you know, it's, it's full circle. It's, yeah. uh, it's beautiful. I think it's poetic. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Something. <laughs> Anyway, so yeah, um, Quinn Finley is—he's uh, not. By the way, yes. Stop laughing so hard because you're driving all over the road now. Oh, stop it! <laughs> There's nothing to hit out here but pine trees and moose. <laughs> <laughs> Mooses are pretty big, man. <sighs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So Quinn Finley—I mean, he's a kid that you're not going to see for you know two, three years uh, as well. Um, and then, uh, you know, Isaiah George going back to Canadian Junior. So, you know, probably at least one season before he even gets to uh, Bridgeport. This is down-the-road stuff. And then, uh, you know, the last two picks in the fifth and sixth round, uh, two, uh, two high-scoring older-age wings. You got um, uh, Matthew Maggio. And then you got a guy named uh, Dalen Cuffler. And both of them are going to uh, be 20 next season. They went undrafted in 21 when first eligible. Um, and to Lou, that was a positive because you got older guys, their bodies are developing. Uh, one of the two, I think it was Matt Maggio, or no, maybe it was Dalen. I'm sorry. I think it's Dalen. Uh, he's a 6'2 guy. Um, and Lou was very excited about that kind of speed. One of them had tremendous penalty minutes. I think you got the uh, the bios up in front of you someplace. Someplace. Yeah. Um, so Lou, you know, Lou was talking about the reasons why they went undrafted and they are now, you know, maybe a little bit more polished. And Lou was saying, you know, the, the COVID-19 pandemic really did, you know, put a dent in, uh, you know, some kids fell through the crack, right? And these may have been two of them who did so. Um, the fifth and sixth round, everything in the fifth and the sixth round is kind of a flyer. You know, you're, you're filling out organizational depth. Whether, you know, either one can ever make the NHL, you're not sure. But to the kids, and this is, you know, I, I really enjoy watching the draft for the, for the, for the prospects who come and sit in the stands, right? Especially the ones who sit there all day on day two, you know, and they hear their name in the sixth round, the seventh round, right? They are as excited as, you know, the kids who are, are being picked in the top 10, if not more so. And and, and I, I love, you know, and that just is, all these kids want is a chance, right? And they, they, they have this belief in themselves that if they can just show themselves to an organization, they're the ones, they're the fifth round or the sixth rounder that's going to make it, right? 
So I really love that emotion and, and how the families get excited for these. You know, the, the kids picked sixth round who have been waiting around two and a half, three hours on uh, on day two to hear their names called. So it's one of the cool things about going to the draft there. But, yeah. Yeah, no, we, we're, we're, I was, we were talking about that at the, at the draft where can you imagine driving, I don't know, 19 hours or whatever to get to Montreal just in the hope that you, you get your name called. I mean, I, and then I was so, the way my mind works is like, what if you don't get your name called? You know what I mean? Like, you know, how, uh, how deflating must that be? If you, you know, now you have a 19 hour drive to get back home or whatever, but, but you're right. I mean, to, to see the joy on these kids faces. And I think specifically of the, of the last guy picked in the draft, number 225, Who's like I don't know some Belarusian kid or something like yeah, that? I mean, yeah. Yeah, so you know, literally waited till the last possible moment, and then here's you know here's his name called, and you know how 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 just uh, explosive that that feeling of you know joy, relief, whatever must be. So that that was a, a, a pretty cool thing to see in the seventh. And of course, you know my team, the Rangers, uh, the, the their management team, their draft team was long gone by that. <laughs> I mean, they didn't have a pick in the seventh round, and so I think they just wrapped it up after round six and went home, uh, so they didn't get to see all that, but that was kind of cool to watch. <laughs> yeah, there was quite a few eyebrows raised at the, the Rangers' <laughs> behavior there in the seventh round. Uh, it was, um, to hear a few people, it uh, kind of broke some etiquette there. Oh, boy. <laughs> Um, so yeah, the, those, those are the five players that the uh, the Islanders drafted. Uh, Quintet. And again, it's going to be you know three seasons before you figure out how much of an impact these five guys actually have on the organization. So, and, and in that way, the NHL draft is you know it's probably most akin to the baseball draft, where you know these guys go into the minor leagues and then you don't hear from them for another four, five, six years. Right. Uh, you know, it's not like the NBA draft where, you know, the guys either make it or, you know, they're done. You know, it's only a two-round draft. Or the NFL draft where everyone has become a, a draft beatnik and everyone is a draft expert on the NFL. And you can debate, like, the fifth and sixth round picks for two hours. And, boy, does that give me a headache. You know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so... The last thing on our agenda before we get to uh, some Andrew's answers here is the schedule came out and it's 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 a tragedy because instead of Colin and I seeing each other four times a season, we're only going to see each other three times because the NHL in its infinite wisdom has decided that the Rangers and Islanders should only play three times in an 82-game season. And I get that they're on a template, and, you know, sometimes you play other teams in the Metropolitan Division four times, sometimes you play them three times. I am of the opinion that that is bold malarkey, and, you know, the Rangers and Islanders should be playing six times in the regular season. I am a big proponent of more divisional play, and I think it's... Well, only three games against the Devils, or at least the, the Rangers only had three games against the Devils, too. It, it's just, you, you should be building up these rivalries, not, you know, saying that they don't really matter. And uh, 
I, I, I just sometimes I don't feel like the NHL gets it. You know that they're they're so interested in you know propping up the Arizonas and, and the Floridas. You know you got to get a New York team down to Florida because all the snowbirds will come out to the the arena for that game. You know pay attention to the to the local rivalries and uh, you know give your fans some justice. And uh, like I said, I, I I've hated I've hated this four division format since the day they came out with it. I hate the bracket system for the playoffs. I think you're losing good teams in the first round unnecessarily. Um, but it, it, it's it's all about marketing, and it, it's all about this goal of being, you know, absolute parity. Uh, they want every team fighting for a playoff spot, and they want to make sure that the Seattle Kraken fans get a chance to see everyone across the league. So everyone's got to play everyone, but to me, it, it just doesn't work. And I think a long time ago, before the pandemic, uh, Greg Picker, the fine uh, Islanders radio analyst, hey, Greg, hope you're hoping you're having a great summer, buddy. Um, we sat down in the courtyard of an Arizona uh, hotel and, and, and shared our thoughts on what a proper schedule would be. And I thought Greg had a really good template, so maybe you can go back and listen to that episode because pretty much agreed with a, a lot of what Greg was saying. Um, I, this doesn't work for me. I don't like it, and, and it's highlighted by the fact that the Rangers and Islanders are only playing three times this year, which, uh, to repeat, is absolute bull malarkey. I don't think I, I, I need to add anything to that. I'll just I'll just move on. Well, no, I mean... It affects you too because now you're not seeing me that one extra time during it. Tell me how you feel about that. <laughs> <laughs> you aside, uh, it doesn't. You know, I don't. I don't. You know, I think the the Rangers' perspective is is probably different than the Islanders' perspective. The, you know, the and I've i in, in our market, I've I've covered a lot of these sort of local rivalries from from different sides of it. Um, and, and if you're the Rangers, I think. The Ranger fans don't really give too much of a hoot about anybody else, right? They only care <laughs> about the Rangers. Um, and, yeah, you know, it would be nice to, to play the Islanders um, more than three times, but I, I don't think that Ranger fans are going to lose any sleep over it. But, uh, you know, I, I, me, to me, I, I feel, the other, you know, slightly different than you do. I think the fewer games you play, the bigger those games are. So, uh you know, the, the for for Islander fans, it's 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 not only a bad thing that you're only seeing the Rangers three times, but I think it's a bad thing in this case that two of the times are at the Garden, which means that you're only seeing them at UBS one time, and I think that that's a you know that's unfortunate as well. I I, I don't know. I I have to go back and listen to what you and Greg were discussing in terms of a better way to do the schedule. Um, I, I don't know what the answer is, but I maybe maybe some sort of a, a, a an exception for uh, regional rivalries or, or natural rivalries or something that would allow um, the Islanders and Rangers and Rangers and Devils and perhaps even the Islanders and Devils to always play each other the maximum number of times as opposed to you know playing each other one less time just because it's the rotation 
I, I agree with that. Three times is, is not enough, but um, I don't want to see him play six times. All right. I mean, I, we, we differ there. I, I think the NHL should start with however you group the divisions. I think yeah, I, I'd rather go back to seeing smaller divisions, you know, yeah. three times five or however it works rather than, you know, two times eight. Um, but I, I think the template should start with the division race really meaning something. And to me, what makes it meaningful is more games against division rivals. You know, I would be fine with NHL teams, you know, interconference, you know, one year you go to Seattle, the next year Seattle comes. I'm fine not having to go to every NHL city if it means more divisional games. So, with that, let's uh, move on. Uh, we've uh, queued up some of your questions in the Twitter queue for Andrew's Answers. It's time for your questions with Andrew's Answers. A couple of interesting questions, and we, you know, I'll start with this one from Kevin Sean Feeney, and, and we literally just got done talking about it, but he, you know, Kevin is, is on your side, apparently, he was, he was not happy with the, with the scheduling, and he says, this is more of an NHL question, why don't they encourage divisional play, and we just, we, we just talked about that at some length, but I mean, uh, you know, why don't you want to see Seattle every year? I, the games are just not engaging to me as much as divisional games. You, you build up a hatred, a rivalry. I remember, uh, you know, Newsday is putting out a, a magazine um, uh, celebrating the Islanders' 50th anniversary, and I got a chance to do some uh, first-person stories with some of the Islanders' alumni. And I was talking to Patrick Flatley about the Easter epic. Um, and, and Patrick, or Pat was, the way he described it, the, the absolute hatred the Islanders had for the Capitals and the absolute hatred the Capitals had for the Islanders because, you know, not only had they, I think it was what, like four or five straight years they had played in the playoffs, right? But they played each other a million times in the regular season. Uh, Pat was saying these guys were so sick of each other. They knew <laughs> everything about each other. And every time, you know, you got checked, you turned around because you were so ticked off at that guy. And that's what made the hockey so good because there was that rivalry and that hatred. And that's what I want to see. And, you know, whether the Islanders just using the Seattle Kraken because they're in the Western Conference. It could be the San Jose Sharks. It could be the Winnipeg Jets. It could be the Arizona Coyotes. Um, when they play each other, yeah, it's a game. You know, there's, there's, there's no real, you know, skin involved in it in a way, you know, because the teams aren't going to see each other that much, you know. They're... I don't know. Maybe well, rivalries are built in the playoffs, though. I mean, so uh, you know, if you talk about that, that Islanders versus the Caps, you know, I don't know if you have regular season rivalries that really mean so much. Although, you know, I think the division rivalries would mean something. You know, Rangers Islanders, Rangers Devils, Rangers Flyers, Islanders Flyers. You know, that kind of thing. But beyond that, I mean, just get through the regular season and get us to the playoffs. Well, I don't know. I mean, the the regular season has to 
it's entertainment. It has to mean something. And it does now because, you know, only 16 of 32 teams are getting in. So it's not easy anymore. It's not 16 of 21 getting in. You're not, you know, teams, good teams don't make the playoffs. But look, when you think back, you know, what what are the hockey games you remember? If you're an Islanders fan. The playoff games. No, there are regular season games too. You remember going to a regular season game against the Rangers or, 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 or the Flyers or, or, or the Penguins. Yeah, if there's a fight. And why and why are there fights? Because <laughs> the teams hate each other. <laughs> you're making my point. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right. I think we beat this topic to death. Let's move on. Um... Oh, wait, 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 wait. So uh, I was just going to say, um, what was the name of the, the guy who uh, asked this question? No, this was Kevin Sean Feeney. All right, Kevin, you uh, you win an Andrew is right t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right. SME, do you think any chance loose circles back to JT Miller since the market for top line forwards is drying up? Absolutely. I mean, why wouldn't he? Um you know, the trade market is going to be high for him, and now Lou has moved that 13th pick. But uh, why wouldn't Lou circle back and at least find out what the Canucks are looking for now? And, uh, you know, that circling back doesn't mean a trade is going to happen, but Lou's not doing his job if he's not circling back there. So there's a, here's one from Dr. Crentis, who asks, has anyone asked Johnny Boychuk? what his plans are with the organization. The guy's been around the room, but it seems nobody has asked him. Yes, I saw Lou's comments on it. Well, what do you know about Johnny Boychuk? Well, wasn't he, uh, he was around this, this this week too, right? Yeah, no, I uh, had a good chat with Johnny, but it was off the record. It was more just catching up with a, a guy now, who, you know, kind of a friend, you know, a guy who's been in and out of the league and you got to know in the dressing room and you don't get to see anymore. So it's more of catching up with a friend Look, you know, I'm not going to put him on the spot and say, "What do you, you know? Are you coming back to the organization?" Lou certainly wants him. Um, I, you know, Johnny, I, I sort of did, and maybe I did say, "Hey, are we going to see him more?" And Johnny would not bite on that. Um, you know, when you talk to Johnny, he talks. He's got young kids. He's living up in the Edmonton area, and he's talking about, you know. He was going home, it was his anniversary, and they were going to the cabin, and and that's what Johnny is looking forward to. He he spent a lot of time away from his family, or, you know, on the road, you know, Boston, uh, with the Islanders throughout his NHL career. Uh, He's really, I think, enjoying, (laughs) enjoying being with his family right now. And, you know, Lou was making a joke about it, saying, you know, he was asked if there's a spot in the organization for Johnny or a bigger role in the organization. And I, I should preface this by saying that Johnny sat at the draft table and I asked him what that was like. And he said, honestly, you know, they sat there the whole first night. They traded the first round pick. He said it was kind of boring. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, he, he, he's been around Lou. He's learning the business. The job is there for him if he wants it. And I think Johnny's got a great hockey mind. He's got a great personality, which would serve him well, you know, in an assistant GM role or, you know, 
talking to other teams or talking to players. Johnny's got all the tools, but I, I you know, Lou said basically the the job's there for him. We have to convince him that he that he wants to work, and it was sort of a throwaway ha line. But and I was talking about this with someone up at the draft too. It's not like the old days when these players retire and they want to stay in hockey and grind it out because they need the money and they need the job. Like, Johnny was earning $6 million a year, you know? I mean, he does... He can take a few years off where he does not have to put in the long hours. And like I said, he, he's devoting the time to the family. And, and it's not just Johnny. There are a lot of players who get out of the game now with a ton of money who, in the old days, probably would have gone right into a front office job or, you know, started riding the buses again as an assistant coach. And they just don't have to do that. And, you know, in a way it's a shame because I, I think a lot of really good hockey intelligence is is, is walking out the door. Um, and, and that takes a little bit away from the game. And it, it's because, you know, why, why, why would Johnny want to put in an 18-hour day at this point if his family's living in Edmonton? You know, he's going to uproot his little kids again, you know. So I, I, I think at some point John does take a bigger role. I, I, I'm not sure it's going to be this season. Yeah, the other thing is, too, there's, there's other stuff you can do. If, you, if he wants to base himself in Edmonton, he can maybe do some scouting in the Edmonton area. Yeah. Uh, you know, he can, he, can, he can maintain that connection um, and do stuff that isn't really taking him, um, you know, maybe isn't requiring 18-hour days, maybe coaches kids' teams and things like that, and maybe just fly in for the draft once a year and, uh, and sit at that table and be bored. Um, so, uh, let's see. Um, here's a question from Mitch. Um, and, again, we've touched on some of this already, but he says, big fan of the podcast. Yay. To get better, we need more offense. Who is realistic for the Owls to get? Thanks. And we talked about Johnny Gaudreau, and we know that that's a pie in the sky. We talked about, if not Gaudreau, then maybe trading for Kachuk, and that's really a pie in the sky. But, uh, you know, like, you, you talked about JT Miller. You know, any any other names flying out there, you think, that, you know, might be a more realistic target? Well, I mean, honestly, if, you know, you hear maybe the Blues might be looking to move Tarasenko again. We've been down this road, um, and, and you're talking a lot about salary there, but I, I kind of feel, and, and this, and, you know, four going on five seasons of blue, you'd figure this out by now. When he makes a move, it's like this Romanov move. You know, everyone was focused on, oh, the Islanders are in on JT Miller. No, they got a defenseman, Alexander Romanov. You know, so it's, you know, you're zigging right, and you, you know, you complete the pass from the left. Um, so, you know, I, I, as far as names, I mean, you know, if you look at free agency, you know, could could the Islanders, you know, I, I don't think Andrew Cobb would be a, a fit here. Um, but, you know, it's going to be like, I, I, I feel like it's going to be that type of, name and player and price range that maybe Lou sneaks in here at, at, at some point. You know, it's so difficult to give you names because I feel like, you know, you're just creating speculation and then it blows up on Twitter and it's nowhere near to the <laughs> truth. <laughs> 
All right, so so that leads me right into Walter Barker's question, which is, let's make it simple. What's going to happen on Wednesday? It's going well, to happen. Well, so why don't, like, do they have cap space? Can they sign anybody? $12 million, I, they have to, they have to move. I mean, you, you might, if they make a trade between now and Wednesday to clear out a little cap space, then you know Lou's going to make a move on Wednesday. If if there's no trade, then Lou is not shopping in the uh, in the big boy market. That he's going to, you know, do it by bits and pieces and, and fill in the structure. So, you know, stay tuned the next couple of days. I, I still feel, I, I feel like Lou is itching to make a deal, but Lou also has. You know, he edits himself very well, um, you know, and he was talking about it the other day uh, as far as, you know, you can't, you know, if there are moves to be made, you make them, but you don't want to be foolish. So I, I think, you know, Lou is definitely a uh, measure twice, cup once kind of guy. Mm. He also said, uh, I think that was the day before the draft, right? He said it takes two to make a deal. And he said that several times. I think he said it in all three of his... Uh, <laughs> no, honestly. He said, you know, there has to be interest on the other side uh, for wanting to come to the Islanders. And again, you know, and that goes back to a point I've made and, and you made earlier in the podcast, which is they built UBS Arena to attract free agents, you know, or, or part of why UBS Arena is there and part of why they invested so heavily in the visitor's dressing room uh, is to, to make it seem like a palace and, and for players to want to play there. And, and then they can show off the home dressing room, which has a, a two-story workout room, you know, and they got, you know, <laughs> chef genius in there, you know. So, I, you know, the Islanders, they, they, they're going to be an attractive free agent, you know, an attractive team. Of free agents, there, there, there is going to be a free agent who says that is a place I would like to play, and that's something that you probably couldn't have even said two, three years ago. All right, so now <clears throat> I've saved the best for last. I'm gonna, I'm gonna lump all these Johnny Gaudreau questions in there. All right, all right. so uh, we have Thomas Hahn uh, who says, provided he makes it to free agency, what are the chances Gaudreau comes to Long Island? We have Jack Anton. Who says, how much of an overpay will it take for the Islanders to land Gaudreau? Um, he says the Senators won the DeBrincat deal. Hands down, God, how could Lou Lamorello not beat the party return, uh, paltry return that Chicago got for him? But we, we addressed that part of it before. Eli Strong, big fan of the pod. What do you think is more likely to happen? The Isles are in on Johnny Hockey if he makes it to Thursday. Or the Isles make a hockey deal and trade Bo Bailey and or prospects for a top six win. Also, who do you think is the ideal trade candidate? All right, I'll start at the end. I think there's a better chance Blue makes a trade uh, than Johnny Goudreau comes here. Um, who do I think is the ideal? <sighs> well, it would have to be somebody that plays with Barzell, right? So it's got to be yeah. a top-end guy. Yeah, yeah. Would Tarasenko uh, be a good enough top-end guy that that would make you get excited? Yes. I, I like Tarasenko's game a lot. I mean, you know, he's an older guy. If you could get him on a shorter-term contract, I like. I still like Claude Giroux. 
but all the speculation is Giroux's going to wind up with the Senators. So, you know... Uh, Do the Senators still need him if they have the Brinkett, though? I think they're looking to bring in both. Okay. I do. I, 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 I got very strong vibes that Giroux to Ottawa is a thing. So, yeah, I think he's from there. His family, you know... I think there's more, you know, more to that than just, you know, do the Senators need him? Um, you know, you talked, we were talking about, you know, James Van Riemsdyk is, is a guy the Flyers are desperately looking to unload. He's making $7 million a year for, what, one more year? If you could get, I, I, I don't know how much more JVR has left in him. If you could get the Flyers to retain a significant portion of that, you know, maybe he's a guy that you can bolster the, the second or third line with. Maybe uh, if the Flyers give you a pick with them. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So something like that. But, you know, the only the only hesitation I would have with that is, you know, you, you got a lot of maybes. I mean, you sign Kyle, Kyle Palmieri thinking, well, maybe if he can do this. You signed, uh, you know, Zach Parisi thinking, well, maybe if he can recapture that. Do you want to bring in another guy like JVR yeah. and say, well, maybe if, you know, if, you know, it can work out. I mean, yeah. I, I'm not so sure if, uh, I'm not so sure if I would do that. Now, I'm not Ludo. The other interesting thing is we've all been speculating on, you know, the Islanders are going to trade Anthony Beauvillier, and the reason is he might be their most attractive piece on the trade market, right? Uh, at least amongst the forwards, because I don't think anyone's going to want to bite on Kyle Palmieri at this point, and you know, uh, and then you're looking at giving up, you know, guys like Oliver Wallstrom, you know, right? And and how much? Honestly, you know, there's a lot of potential there. How much trade value does he have right now? You know, it. I think that's debatable. So, but it was very interesting. The Islanders had Anthony Beauvillier at their draft table, right? <laughs> so we were all saying, well, Lou's not making that trade with him sitting at the uh, draft table. So, you know, maybe not. And, uh, you know, our friend Kevin Kurz from The Athletic uh, tweeted out earlier today that uh, he had heard that the Islanders were, were not looking to move Josh Bailey either. So, if they're not looking to move Josh Bailey, which, frankly, you know, I know why they like Josh Bailey, and I'm not going to engage in this debate again with the Islanders fans. I understand why the Islanders like him, but with two years left on his deal at $5 million per season, I kind of feel like Lou should be looking to see if anyone wants that so he can spend the money elsewhere and, and get someone... You know, Josh puts up assists, but he's not necessarily putting up a ton of goals. And the, and the Islanders do need to up their goal production. So I, I'm a little curious uh, as to what's going on there. Well, that that comes to the end of our uh, of our Ask Andrews. Uh, so uh, I don't know. <laughs> you know, as far as I'm concerned, I think it's all been answered. Uh, I hope so when all is said and done. <laughs> anyway, listen, thanks for riding along as Colin and I drive home from Montreal. This has been Island Ice Newsday's New York Islanders podcast. It was episode 137. 
Colin. Thank you again so much. You can find Colin on Twitter at Colin S. Newsday. You can find me on Twitter, Andrew Gross at A. Gross Newsday. You can find all of Colin and I's content at Newsday.com backslash sports. And uh, we'll probably uh, put up another one of these podcasts uh, reviewing what happens in free agency. So uh, we'll be talking to you again very soon. And until then, happy hockey, everybody.